Two sisters lived on separate sides of the states. One in NYC and the other LA. They both moved to Chicago and decided to stay. Now here's their playful podcast packed with Kid Lit Parlay. Children's books. Are they really that great? Talking children's books is with Kate and Fuse 8. Children's books. Why, what, and how? Fuse 8 and Kate will break it down for you now. I'm back, Betsy. You're back. I'm back, and I have something for you. Oh, did you give me a present? So I went to the Philippines. You did go to the Philippines. And there are some things in the Philippines that are uh, made there. Tang. That, that are... <laughs> tang. I don't know about tang. <laughs> tang. I don't know where they make it anymore. I was just there's very, there's some things that are very unique to the Philippines. Oh, sure, yeah. Including mm-hmm. actual giant... Oh my god. Frogs. Oh my god. That they make into <gasps> purses. Look at it. So I would just little I, eyes are I, following well, the, me. The eyes are fake. I so know, but oh my god. If you were to go Google <gasps> frog purse Philippines. Oh my god. You will see one of these and let me just say the one that I've given you has all four legs. Yeah, he does. And the reason it's now. a purse is because they've taken out the insides, replaced it with a liner, <laughs> and there's a zipper. So now you can zipper in his tummy, lined and everything. Yes. This is going in the show notes, folks, and the Instagram page. Uh, (laughs) And I think we should probably start a Threads account and uh, all that stuff. Wow. Congratulations. Thank you. This is the best present I have ever gotten from the Philippines. Ooh, you know what? Okay, so the next book that wins the Caldecott should be about frogs. Oh, okay. And then that way next year we can bring the matching frog purses. Okay, I'll just find some book this year that's a picture book that involves frogs in some way. I don't know what it is yet, but by gum, I'm going to find it. And convince the committee to make it the winner. And then we can get the whole committee frog purses. Well, actually, we wouldn't. The publisher would. The publisher would get them frog purses. See? Or I could just write a picture book about frog purses. What is this podcast that we speak on? Fuse and Kate. That's right. And uh, who are you? Me, Kate. Me, Betsy. Uh, And yes, what do we talk about on this podcast? Frog purses. A lot of time. You'd be amazed. (laughs) If this is your first episode... I hate to break it to you, but this is really all we talk about. (laughs) I think you thought it was a picture book podcast where we talk about what makes a book a classic or not. Fun fact, no. It's now all frog purses all the time, which I think, however, I've exhausted all my frog purse knowledge. Okay. Yeah. So maybe we should talk about the picture books. Go back to the picture books. Exactly. Now, recently, um, I took uh, inspiration from our site because when I was at the American Library Association conference, I sat in on a panel that was about contemporary picture book classics which was kind of a broad look these books out this year are picture book classics i was like okay everybody sort of rejected that you know no no author was like yes mine is a modern classic but one of them one of the people on the panel said how difficult it was to find uh ethnically diverse picture book classics like if you look at the past they're they're mostly white and that is not untrue But we have made a concentrated effort on this site to try to have a range of voices from the past. You mean on this podcast? Yeah, that's what I said. You said the site. Well, this site, (laughs) podcast site. That's what the kids say these days. Moving on. Yeah, so I did a blog post where I brought together all books by BIPOC creators 
as well as LGBTQ, as well as Jewish uh, creators as well. And when I did that, I couldn't help but notice that the Jewish creators are almost entirely, but not wholly, but almost entirely Hanukkah related. Yeah. And that seemed like a pity. There was Tell Me a Mitzi, and there was It Could Always Be Worse, and Hanukkah, 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 Hanukkah. So I thought maybe we should do something about that. And as it happened, uh, picture book creator, author, illustrator, Lisa Brown had a suggestion for us, which is a book we're doing today. Okay. Are you ready, Vaughn? Sure. Here we go. When Everybody Wore a Hat by William Steig. Yes, William Steig. We've done many William Steig books on here. Sylvester and the Magic Pebble and Shrek and the Magic Bone. And uh, the, this was the his, dentist one, right? The den- oh, Doctor DeSoto, very good, well remembered, well remembered. I just remember the flame. Where's that pic- that movie? I swear, like Shrek gets a million movies, but where's the Doctor DeSoto movie with the open flame next to such small children? Who knows? Anyway, uh, this was his last book. It was his autobiographical picture book that he did. So you can you can definitely see that his style has gotten a little a uh, little different. It was always shaky, <laughs> but now it's a uh, it's a little shakier. But uh, I would, I would, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how it holds up. Uh, this is, this is the one for you today. Okay. Okay. While Kate does her read, let's do a little more background information on William Stagg. William Stagg. We've covered him many, many times before. He did a whole range of stuff. But uh, let's look at him in terms of this particular book. So he was born in Brooklyn, New York, in 1907. But he grew up in the Bronx. What part of the Bronx did he grow up in? No one ever says, because no one ever specifies any part of the Bronx. Drives me crazy. Okay, that's a personal thing. Moving on. His parents were Polish-Jewish immigrants from Lemberg, Austria-Hungary. They were both socialists. His father was a house painter. And his mother was a seamstress who encouraged him to be artistic. Okay, fast forward. He's very successful. He writes lots of books. This part I kind of like, actually. Uh, his brother Erwin was a journalist and a painter, and for him, William illustrated two books on poker strategy. All right, he's at the end of his life now. And uh, he publishes this book in April of 2003. Well, good thing, too, because he died of natural causes in Boston on October 3rd, 2003, at the age of 95. Uh, and then his Wikipedia page says, and I don't know if this is the tribute they expected it to be, but it said, Shrek 2, which was released seven months after his death, was dedicated to his memory. Great. Hello! Hello there. Uh, that's a beautiful Bronx accent you got there, babe. Uh, I was thinking that's how they sounded in 1916. Sure. No? Everyone in the Bronx was like, hello. Apples and pears, apples and pears. <laughs> I don't know. It's a. Uh, Cockney rhyming slang. It's definitely a history book. Yeah, well, I'm, you're, you're, you opened it up and there's a big black and white picture right on the. Yeah, the, the, yeah, the first page, you don't get an illustration. You get a photograph of him. Uh, it says... In a tree. Right. Well, okay. First of all, <laughs> it says, in 1916, when I was eight years old, that means he was born in 1908. Correct. Which means if he were alive today, he'd be 115. That is correct, yes. Uh, it says that kids went to, and this is all in caps, libraries as opposed to today for books kids kids with their 
iPads and their doohickey video games. Well, nobody's in a library anymore. But all in caps? Yeah, I think, yeah. Okay. <sighs> Wait a minute, what year did he say they went to libraries? Uh, in 1916. Okay, you know, I'm not a library historian, but by my understanding, that's not... I guess that's after when they established children's rooms, but not that long after when they established children's rooms. All right, all right. right. But the photograph that you alluded to, it says, uh, this is me climbing a tree in the Bronx where I spent most of my childhood. And I was like, he spent most of his childhood in a tree? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. That's kind of weird. But I'm bumped. Anyway, so then you turn the page and you start seeing his illustrations. Right. They... And not to be rude, but I'm going to be. The man was 95 when he did, maybe 94 when he did these. It looks like a kid drew them. Well, isn't that kind of the point? Is it? Kind of. He always had sort of a kid-like style to his drawings. Not but not this, this bad. simple. Yeah, this simple. Yeah. Well, he's ninety-four years old. I, do you lose talent when you're ninety-four years old? Well, you can't do a straight line. Don't you remember like later stage, like Charles Schultz when he got like super duper wavy on all his lines? Oh yeah. This guy actually is really straight with his lines. So I don't know what the, he was doing. The lines are fine. It's just they're very kid-like yeah. uh, in their watercolors. They are. Like, and, like not so much the noses, but the ears are definitely like when a kid does like circles on the side of the head for a the year. The arms. And the arms, like, yeah, you don't We distinguish. will get to the feet, Betsy. The feet? Oh, we'll get to them. I didn't even think about the feet. They're so, on a table from above. You can't see any feet. So. In this illustration, right, yes. Right. It, it's They're all sitting around a table. and Presumably he, the baby has feet, but ex- I cannot see them. He explains that they lived in a small apartment. Uh, it, there were... Four kids. Okay. In, in this a house. small apartment. And the parents fought a lot, and they spoke four languages, German, Polish, Yiddish, and English. Wow. Uh, and then it says, when there wasn't enough heat, Pop even fought with the radiator. And I'm, I just took me back to a Christmas story with the dead fighting with the furnace. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What is it with father figures fighting with furnaces and radiators? I mean, I would much rather they do that than their family members. So, yeah, go hit that piece of metal. Hit it, I say. He they're, is. Still, they're still mad about the With industrial a hammer. revolution. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, you turn the page and it says mother and father went to the opera pretty often. And he would, uh, he'd listen to records on our phonograph. Now, I'm looking at this illustration of the father. And to me, he looks like Bert. Yes. Grown up. I, I actually. And humanized. I actually, Bert was my first thought because the eyebrow and that little tuft of hair at the top. And, and the, the shape nose. of the head. Yeah, and the nose. Only Bert's put on a little uh, extra pounds there, and he's smoking cigars now. Well, but would could you not see Bert listening to opera oh. and playing chess? Bert was into nerdy, boring things, so yes, my friend, yes, I could. And when you turn the page, there is a pipe, so pipes and kid lit. Oh, hey, we'll, we'll take a picture and put it up for pipes and kid lit. Yep, it, it, it says that the father liked to play chess with Mr. Hoffman, and Mr. Hoffman is the one smoking the pipe. Uh, and then there's this illustration of Mom's best friend. <laughs> and it says that... I adore her. <laughs> it says that women wore corsets and heels and hats uh, and that, like, everyone was wearing hats. Cops were wearing hats. Criminals had hats. Even monkeys. And I'm thinking, like, why did folks 
stop wearing hats as a fashion accessory. President Kennedy. Really? Went to his inauguration and didn't wear a hat. It was dead after that. Really? That's the line I always heard. Interesting. Yeah. That it had been slowly getting less popular, and then he did that, and it, like, changed the world. Yeah. Well, Mom's best friend, she kind of looks like Lily Von Stupp from Blazing Oh, Bla- she definitely looks like Lily Von Stupp. From yeah. Blazing Saddles. Yeah, she you- did. Yeah. Yeah. With some pears on her head. Well, yes, because sometimes you would wear fruit uh, in your hat, apparently. Sure. Well, if you get hungry, it makes sense. By the way, she's the first person I think I've seen in this book who is wearing a hat. Yep. <laughs> but- Everyone wore hats. <laughs> Sometimes. Most of the time. Most of the time, yeah. Anyway. uh, It says that sometimes uh, there would be sad news coming in from the old country. And it would make mom cry. And it made us scared to see mom cry. And I was like, okay, well, yeah. Seeing your mom when you're a kid cry can be scary. But even scarier is finding out that your mom has hooves, Betsy. (laughs) (laughs) Your mom has hooves. She does have very, uh, yeah. They are hooves, Betsy. Well, they beat... They beat the wheels they that are, are on, the, the, on only, the bottom of the sun there. They are so. not the only hooves that women have oh, in this book. Maybe it's a comment on women. Well, you know, he did Sylvester and the Magic Pebble. He liked hooves. And sometimes the kids look like pigs. Well, there you go. But I'm just, it's very odd. Like It's a, it's a, it's a choice, my dear. It, it's a choice. It's definitely a choice. He knows something spiky was on those feet. Why not hooves? Uh, it says for a nickel, you could get a lot. Like a hot dog sandwich. A nope, not a thing. Hot dogs Never was a thing. are sandwiches. Nope, they're not. Yes, they're they are. They're not sandwiches. It, a sandwich doesn't come in a bun. It's bread. It's no, that's a meat, bun. Meat in between two pieces of bread is a sandwich. <sighs> Ergo, a sandwich. hot dog is a sandwich. It's in no. the book, Betsy. Well, he, he calls it a hot dog sandwich. I think William Stagg is lying to you. <laughs> you can have turkey sandwiches. Nope. You can have ham sandwiches. Nope. You can have grilled cheese sandwiches. Yeah. You can have a hot dog no! sandwich. Yep. Fine, I'm putting ketchup on it then. <laughs> you put ketchup on a sandwich? No, you don't. Point. I will say, I'm kind of glad that these illustrations aren't super realistic because <laughs> there's an illustration of Barney, their butcher, who has <laughs> headless chickens in the back. That sounds right. But... They are so drawn in a kid-like style that yeah, it's no not... one's going to be disturbed by these. Yeah, they're yeah. not disturbing. They're not scary. Maybe the bloody accoutrements and his bloody oh, apron. Blood cups comes in later. Ooh! But this illustration, I was like, okay, I guess yeah. those are chickens. That you can't... could be duck. Could be duck. Could be goose. You can't really tell. Nah. You all you can tell is that they don't have heads. <laughs> I'm fine with that. I don't eat the head. But I think this is the first picture book you've given me. That features blood because that can't possibly be true, is it? I think so. <sighs> We've done enough books from other countries. Europeans love blood, and you've given me books mm. about war before, but this is because uh, the there yeah. was that uh, Civil War one, right? But that was like ancient and black and white, and and this yeah. is uh, talking about World War One that's happening on the other side of the world. But it's, uh, I think it's World. War Two. No, right? it's World War One because it's nineteen sixteen. Oh, okay, right, okay. And you could also tell by the uniforms the hats, yeah, okay. that the men are wearing, right? 
and um, everybody wore a hat. And there's a man in a tank, and there's blood coming out of this the soldier. Kaiser. That's apparently that's the Kaiser right there. So yeah, sure. And then there's a dead horse in the bottom. But anyway, there were was, a lot of dead horses. But there's blood coming out of the soldiers. I was there like, oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, not, not just that. There are bullets going into the soldier at the same time. Yes. In a perfectly straight little row. Yes, it's a very bloody scene. And Dresden apparently in a children's which picture I book. Is- World War Two, and then here's another woman with hooves. Uh, this... <laughs> She's disturbing in more than one way. <laughs> this lady, she don't have a nose. She lived in the corner building. She had lots of cats. <laughs> yes, her nose is the cavity of where a nose would yeah. be. Yeah, and she has hooves for feet, and she's surrounded by cats that you would draw what like when you were a kid. Oh sure, I don't mind that at all. I uh, I'm just more disturbed by her twisted smile. This is this is nightmare fuel. Well, she she smokes a lot of crack, Betsy. Oh, okay, that's fine. That's fine. As I long mean, as we have a reason for if it. If we have blood in this book, we might as well have crack. I mean, so. she snorts it because she has no nose. Exactly. And if my 1980s comic books that my school gave out about don't do drugs taught me anything is that you lose your nose by yep. doing drugs. We yep. all know that. Actually, yeah. in the Philippines, uh, all of their uh, you know the advertisement for cigars, cigarettes, that sort of thing would have like you will. Get gangrene. You will get, which I was like, you can get oh, gangrene. I didn't know that. You get emphysema. You get, and then lung cancer. And they show like dead babies. And it's right. like on the packaging. Wow. I was like, okay. But to keep your nose. So, you know. But to keep your nose. So, Take that drugs. Here we meet Mrs. Kingman, who always had a dog. Now, I'm very confused by this illustration because, yes, she has a dog on sure, a leash. I see it. She looks very fancy. She's got a purple hat. Yeah. What I don't understand is what she has that's connecting her, I guess, her glasses to oh, her okay. I fur. thought that was her arm at first, but then I realized her arms are down below. So is it like a glasses chain, maybe? That's... Yeah, that's the best bet I can think of, but it also looks like... It looks like a headphone cord. It looks like a headphone cord. It looks like she's listening to her earbuds right. uh, while taking her dog for a walk, which is... So this book is actually from the future. <gasps> <laughs> We're going to be wearing hats again. No, I'm thrilled. It's not from the future because doctors make house calls oh, in this book. Well, maybe and I really wish doctors made house calls. Well, maybe they will in the future. <laughs> they sure they don't anymore. They sure as heck don't. But this doctor comes over because um, his brother Henry Ooh. once had the Spanish influenza. Not the Spanish flu. Oh yes, that was the pandemic before the current pandemic. Did you know the Spanish flu and? Affected one third of the world's population and is considered to be one of the deadliest pandemics in history. Did you know they never found a cure? Really? It just went away on its own. It could come back tomorrow and we'd be dead. <laughs> because it never was cured. Well, we're working on COVID right yeah, now. Well, so. we, as my kids now believe, they're like, oh yeah, we get a huge uh, influenza every uh, 100 years. So we're fine for another <laughs> another couple couple decades there. I mean, they ain't wrong. I, it's not wrong, and <laughs> I'm happy to believe that. <laughs> and then we uh, go to a barber shop where he gets his first haircut. Again, we got a guy Oh, with there's a, another pipe. In a barber shop. Yeah. Smoking inside. I believe it. I, I remember bars when they used to smoke still in there. Sure, so, restaurants yeah. too. Restaurants, barbershop, planes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then we have this picture of him on a horse. Now, apparently, like a pony. back in the day, sitting on a horse like a cowboy was something that everybody wanted their picture to be taken like. Okay. That, that was a thing. Yeah. 
and it was a very big camera, so you had to stay very, very still. But of course, it was hard for the horse right. to stay How still. Right? How do horses stay still? However, this horse apparently, I think, has had about twenty-five children on his back <laughs> so far that day, <laughs> and so the horse knows to look in the camera. Yeah, it is dead on. It's got the emo haircut going on, and it is just point blank I have looking at job. that camera. Yeah, I agree. I agree. That horse ain't going anywhere. And the kid looks like a pig. Look at that nose. Well, sure. It's very disturbing. Piggy, tell me you've never seen a kid with a nose like a pig, though. I mean... I've seen kids with pig noses. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, oh yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And then at the very end, it says in 1916... When everybody wore a hat, I was eight. When I grew up, I wanted to be an artist or a seaman. I did become an artist, but not a seaman. The end. <laughs> so that's, well, that's it, why you Betsy. Make, that's why you give yourself options, Kate. That's the book. Yeah, it is. It is. It yep. is. So it was his last book. Uh, I don't even... I. You know what? A better researcher than I would have been able to tell you what the gap was between this book... And the one that came before it. So this came out precisely 20 years ago, 2003, right? I remember when this book came out. I was a librarian. So this is at the very, very beginning of my library career. Just when I was beginning to learn about new books. And I remember them. Now, I wasn't a big enough librarian that if they were touting him around and taking him to fancy dinners with librarians and stuff, I was not a part of that group yet. Um, But... uh, it seems unlikely since he was, you know, dead six months later. So, um, so probably wasn't feeling great. Uh, but yeah, did manage to get that out. So, you know, well done there. It, it is difficult to make a book in your 90s, uh, but not impossible. I would love to see a list of picture books by people in their 90s. Okay. That would be okay. Somebody make that list for me. Thank you. <laughs> Ratings time. Well. Well. Is it going to be a button? <laughs> It's uh, it's not really a story with a plot, per se. It's, it's like a walk down memory lane of what things were like back in 1916. Uh, the illustrations are definitely not my style, and some of them are really odd, like <laughs> women's feet, the World War I battle fight, and the headless chickens. Um, I, th- I think a kid might read it once, but not request it over and over again. I think it's a nice autobiography, but I would not call this a classic. I gave it a four. Yeah, I would actually have to agree with you. Um, the whole reason I did it was because I was complaining earlier that we weren't doing enough books uh, with Jewish characters that weren't based on Hanukkah. But there, there's nothing. I don't think he ever says he's Jewish in the book, does nope. he? There, there's no indication. They just come from the old country. They come from the old country. If you know his history, then you knew his parents were Polish Jewish, but um, from Austria Hungary. But but that's not mentioned. There's no, you know, at Cedar we did this, or we went to, you know, Temple sometimes, or here's, nope. here's a yarmulke. Everybody wore a yarmulke. No, there's none of that. Um, there's nothing to distinguish this from any other white kid in the Bronx in nope. any way, shape, or form. He clearly didn't think that was an important part of the story. And back in 2003, nobody was pushing him to include that information, which honestly I think would have been some pretty good information. Um, you know, it's cool that it came out. Like, I'm just going to say, it's just neat that he was able to do this. It's coherent. The story holds together and there's a lot of blood. So, you know, that's great. <laughs> um, but yeah, I actually completely agree with you of his oeuvre. This would not even, I think, be in the top 10. So, uh, I'm also going to do a four. 
So with our scores combined, it is below a five, so it is not a classic. Not a classic! Letters time. Not too many, but uh, there were some reactions to uh, Hippos Go Berserk. Fun fact, I did not know how to spell the word berserk. I kept misspelling it all over my blog post and then realized five minutes after I posted everything, oh, shit, I don't know how to spell berserk, and I had to go back and correct it. No one pointed that out. However, uh, Marissa, when we posted about it, said, agreed, my four-year-old loves her, which is to say Sandra Boynton's books, so many giggles, and he was super proud when he was able to quote-unquote read one himself thanks to the predictable pattern. Aww. And then Michael Rex asked a question that I've been turning over in my mind ever since. He said, I've always been curious why Boynton isn't spoken about in the giants of Kidlet. She always seems to be an outlier, and I, I had an answer for him. Uh, one, she never went down in quality. Her books have been consistently good. That's a very bad idea, because uh, if you're consistently good, people take you for granted. And B, she does board books, and no one respects people who do board books. I seriously believe this. People do not pay enough attention to how difficult it is to make a board book that is good. And she does it, so she doesn't get the attention she deserves. Interesting. Yeah, that's my theory anyway. Okay. Grown-up things we like. You go first. Ooh, yes, I've got a good one now. Oh, I'm so excited about this. So I saw the 1972 film What's Up, Doc, uh, which was starring Barbara Streisand and Ryan O'Neill. So this is basically like a 1972 update kind of on bringing up baby. That was how it was kind of sold to me in some way. Uh, it's got Madeline Kahn. It's got Austin Pendleton, uh, who played Max in the Muppet movie, as well as a million other things. Anyway, uh, it's the story of a manic pixie dream girl, played by Barbara Streisand, who falls in love with a nerdy, you know he's nerdy because he's wearing glasses, uh, kind of professor guy who wants to prove that ancient man used igneous rocks to make music. And uh, they're at this conference. There are four identical suitcases that all get like mixed up together. Wacky hijinks ensue. But Barbara Streisand's the whole reason to watch the film because she manages to pull off the character without you wanting to kill her, which is almost impossible to, you know, looking at how she's written, but she's just charming and delightful and clearly should have ended up with Austin Pendleton rather than Ryan O'Neill, who is a dud. Um, But it does end with a joke making fun of the movie Love Story, so I enjoyed it very much. Okay. So there you go. Well, my grown-up thing is obviously the Philippines, because I just got back. All right. I spent three days at Pico de Loro Beach and three days in Manila. Mm -hmm. Uh, My father-in-law is from the Philippines, and he has a condo down there, so we spent the first few days together. He knew a lifeguard who had a brother who had a boat. So one day, we took a boat out to a place called Fortune Island, Uh, And we went swimming and snorkeling, and it was really cool because we practically had the whole island to ourselves. Um, In Manila, we went to the Mall of Asia. Uh, We went to the Manila Cathedral to see the Pope Mobile, and we saw the oldest stone fort in Manila, and I ate uh, or drank something new every day. Most of the time, it was something sweet, like uh, mamons, which are like angel food cake. So good. Um... Buko pie, which is like a coconut pie. You wouldn't like it. It had like nope. coconut meat in it. Like and then ube pandasol, ah, ube. which is like a purple, purple roll and it had cheese inside. It was so freaking good. 
But unfortunately, on the way home, I had a layover in Taiwan where I ate bad McDonald's. And then on a 15-hour flight, halfway through at about hour eight, Uh I got food poisoning. Uh Really, really bad food poisoning. So the moral of the story is eat the food you can't pronounce (laughs) and don't eat fast food you're familiar with mm-hmm. um i'm i'm only just now feeling better a week later yeah so yeah. that's uh, you were not in a good place we were talking about whether or not to take you to the emergency room yeah yeah it was bad it was about that at the level yeah. every every orifice was on was, was touched you know what we're every good. we're good we don't uh, even the ears, ears Betsy. were fine the ears your ears were, were melting fa- okay wow <laughs> the side of my face <laughs> burning burning yeah <laughs> see madeline Kahn, you come anyway go to the philippines i highly recommend it it's beautiful excellent yeah don't eat the burger from from Taiwan. From, from Taiwan. Yeah. Okay, great. Well, you good. can get frog purses in the Philippines. Yes, and I'm so proud of my froggy purse. Look at his legs. Look at him. His legs got run over by a truck. I called mine Kermit. Nice. I'll have to think what we're talking about. Well, folks, if you have suggestions for what I should name my stuffed frog purse, uh, you can email them at fusecated at gmail.com. But uh, yeah, until then, uh, I think I've been Betsy. I'm Kate. Bye. Fuse 8 and Kate is a Fuse number 8 production. You can reach us at FuseKate8 at gmail.com. You can follow our podcast on Twitter at Fuse underscore Kate. You can follow us on Instagram at Fuse8Kate. That's Fuse number 8, Kate. Listen to us on Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, or Player FM. Or follow us on iTunes and rate our podcast if you're so inclined. Our music is by Haddon Kime, and our little bundle of joy is Drew Atienza. Fuse 8 and Kate is a creation of Kate Atienza and Betsy Bird. <laughs>